foot enthusiasts, minimal footwear lovers, or anyone trying to fix your own feet, I'm heading to North Carolina this May to lead a live, in-person, three-day retreat all about feet. I'm going to be at the Art of Living Retreat Center, which is up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's so beautiful there. And are you ready to hear what I'm calling it? The retreat is called Healing Your Soul, a stepwise approach to building forever functional feet. That's so good, right? If you want to learn all about how to take care of the muscles, bones, joints, fascia, and nerves of the feet, and learn how strong feet and ankles relate to sustainable hips and knees, this event is for you. In addition to the classroom and movement time with me, you're on retreat. So there's delicious meals, a nature-rich campus that you can explore on foot, and plenty of time for rest and relaxation, all included. A retreat is a perfect way to care for yourself in the moment, but also in the future. You are coming to learn a massive toolkit of information. So whether you're a competitive runner, a dynamic ager, or a healthcare practitioner, this is a weekend full of movement for you and your feet. And like I said, you're gonna leave with a toolkit and a big swag bag that you can use to train your feet for life. For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. That's why. That's why. Yes. Okay. That's yes. why. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to the Katie Says Podcast, where Danny Hemet and Katie Bowman talk about movement, the tiny details, the larger issues, and why movement matters. I'm Katie Bowman, biomechanist and author of Move Your DNA. And I'm Danny Hemet, a chronically curious movement teacher. So today's show is about breastfeeding, breastfeeding ecology to be more precise. You got a notion, I don't know where your notions come from, <laughs> to do a breastfeeding show. And so we are. Let's just start off with something that you flesh out in Movement Matters. It's a quote by the most awesome Diane Fossey. Mm. Okay, it reads, this is from Diane Fossey. One of the basic steps in saving a threatened species is to learn more about it, its diet, its mating, and reproductive processes, its range patterns, its social behavior. So how does that fit into what we're talking about? Good question. I was still thinking about notion. It was like, when did I, why, why did I, why did I decide? I feel like, how do we get here? You know why? Right? It's because I finished, I completed my book, the the book processes for the year and i i swear what happened was i i was like i have this question that i need to write about it was just a compulsion a compulsion to write this book called breastfeeding ecology which will probably end up being a chapter or a section in my book about babies and kids in a few years but it was probably that compulsion yeah, 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 yeah. so i have to do something a, i have to do something to dissipate yeah. the compulsion so the podcast okay. <laughs> the podcast will suffice <laughs> Because I was even going to joke, did you write a book no, since we last talked? No, but no, not yet, not yet. <laughs> in your head. Well, and I think, you know, Movement Matters has a lot of breastfeeding in it. It does. And yeah. it's also this, I probably got a couple questions on it initially, but this quote, how oh, this quote, I read this quote in a National Geographic magazine from the 70s. I was staying at a rental house that had the entire National Geographic collection along a wall of their house. Imagine every single issue. I can't even. I know. It was the best thing ever. And it was like, like from a, the beginning of yes. the, the magazine yes. conception. Oh my gosh. Yes. Wow. It was a whole wall. You could just make a whole yellow and kind of like, it, and it was a trip to, and I, I went through a lot of them while I was there. Tons, a whole wall full and maybe even more than one wall. But anyway, I just happened to pick it up. Like I, I believe that I'm constantly being inspired by just grabbing something, opening it, letting my eyes fall where they may, and that, and, and like meditating on a sentence as a regular meditation that I do. And this was the one that popped out. I wasn't reading the article. I flipped it open to this. And it's 
been a theme, I would say, in a lot of my writings since then. Anyway, breastfeeding, to me, to me, it's a, it's a category of very important behaviors. And it, if, you, if you've paid attention to the history of, of breastfeeding, you'll see that until very recently, you know, the last handful of years, breastfeeding had kind of gone away. It was on the endangered human behavior list for a particular set of humans. And then there was consequences to that in which there's been this rallying back of breastfeeding from uh, the medical community and maybe the scientific or maybe more like the public health community is like, no, breastfeeding Mm -hmm. is something that we need to get back to doing. It was outsourced for this long period of time. Now, keep in mind before it's a very, as far as humans go, it's been a very small group of humans over a small period of time, relatively speaking, who have not breastfed Right. Or who have given the work of breastfeeding. I mean, pretty much just the first part of the night. Wouldn't it be maybe? Yeah. Yeah. The first part of this century, maybe from the, I don't know, 40s, 30s or 40s to the 70s. Yeah, the early 1900s and yeah, around there. So it's, it was, you know, it was an experiment for sure, a natural experiment. Mm -hmm. But it's this, I, you know, as we're talking about human health and, and understanding, the, the behavior of animals, you know, she's talking about looking at it, trying to save, you know, an entire species or an entire species in this particular location of animals. And I'm just really interested in this, you know, diversity of humans, diversity of behavior. I, I'm interested in that. So breastfeeding to me is key. And also, I get a lot of of questions. So you talked about breastfeeding ecology. So what is breastfeeding ecology? So breastfeeding, it's a category of behaviors. People will say, did you breastfeed? And you'll say, yeah, or no. And the person saying, yeah, could be saying yes to a large range of behaviors. And of late, probably the most interesting delineation to me of breastfeeding and to other people, they've written some books on it, was the normalization of breast milk without the breast, that you would say that you are breastfeeding if even if you were putting your milk into a bottle to then be given to the baby, right? That the right. baby was breast milk fed, but not breastfeeding. That 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 category was still put into breastfeeding, and so it's kind of made research breastfeeding outcomes, the process, the mechanism, like how it works. It's it's confounded a little bit because we're not all describing the same behavior. So mm. I think that's. I always start, usually I like to start with language first. Like, what are the variables that we're talking about? And so breastfeeding is one of those human behaviors. And it's also not, we think of it as be a uh, behavior between two people, right? Like the mother and the child. But mm-hmm. I would argue that it also involves more than those two people, that it's going to be involving many more people than that when you look at it ecologically, it's a process that involves many body parts and many systems, and it involves your environment. It involves your job and the support, the alloparents that you do or don't have around you, your sleeping arrangements. Your, to, like, to say it another way, breastfeeding is happening in the context of all of your habits. It's something that's happening within your life. And so I think that because there are so many discussions on it at the most basic level, like make sure you breastfeed, make sure you breastfeed for one year, that that I think we need better language, better better a delineation of variables, and then also to begin to take an, a more ecological perspective when we're talking about it, especially for people who are interested in solutions. So there's there's like a yeah, so it's more about support in in the whole like. This, this way of looking at it is the way I, what I hear you saying, it's not just, okay, yeah, you should breastfeed for a year. But if we look at it in that broader sense, it really bolsters that support for the the entire system of breastfeeding. And, and also our, the, the way, the society, does society, does our society support breastfeeding? And right now we're focused on making it a, a normal, like where we are still at the level of not having mothers breastfeeding being yelled at for doing something indecent. I mean, we're like on the most basic, like kindergarten level of like, use your kind <laughs> words, you know, like we're at that level with breastfeeding. So I'm not sure how long it's going to take us to get to discussions on 
<laughs> on on the variables that might be influencing your experience, the mm-hmm. baby's experience. It is it is bigger than, you know, is it something we should be allowed to do in in public or not? All right. Well, this is huge. This is huge. I mean, just like looking through the stuff that we got this weekend was just I told you I know, my head sorry. cracked open. <laughs> I have to I have it like taped together with some duct tape, um, old hula hoop tape. OK. And we've talked about this briefly before. I think we talked about it in the food podcast and maybe another one. And I'll list whatever we've talked about it in the show notes. We've we've brought it up briefly. But let's just let's just move forward on some things like the questions that we got. So many questions on. on I mean, yeah. you put a call out and I didn't I don't really check Facebook yeah. that much in the weekend, but I just was like, oh, I got tagged. OK. And. And I, I kind of freaked out because it was so it was so no. broad. I loved breastfeeding. I mean, I loved every second of it. I miss it a lot. My kids are giant, and so <laughs> they don't breast it. They're 14 and 12, but I loved it. Like, never once did I think this sucks. But looking at it in in the, pers- the perspective of more of the ecology of it, mm. I probably would have enjoyed it even more if I had had all these different ways of looking at it. So let's just go... I mean, how do you even sort, how do you deal with the questions? I sort because them. Because I freak. <laughs> I sort them. There's a lot of questions, but a lot, a lot of them could be easily, they're easily sorted. So I kind of, I thought about them into two separate categories. One category is that general, like what I would call the science or data of breastfeeding. Like what's the frequency of this? How does this process work? You know, it's kind of tech, technical questions. Um, And then the other questions and and those questions, they might be coming from moms who are nursing who want that answer. Um, A lot of times they're coming from professionals, professionals who are trying to you had a a positive experience breastfeeding, but not everyone does. And I think it's also worth a nod that not everyone wants to breastfeed that if I could just go back and put in my overarching theme of really (laughs) what I'm always about is more figuring out how things work, not necessarily being swayed by, is this something everyone, you know, quote, should be doing? Like, that's not that's not really my perspective. My perspective is how something work? Because if you're going to make a decision about it, it's nice to have all of the information. If you're, you know, essentially you're always doing these very quick cost-benefit analysis when you're making decisions. The more information you have, the more accurate you can be deciding and the, the less you're maybe struggling. So again, I like you breastfeed or not based on how the information sorts for you. But that all being said, I think that there's a lot of information that people who want to be able to do it and who aren't Mm -hmm. having successful outcomes don't have. And so like that would be that, I guess that information falls two into two categories. Um, But so that second category of, of the professional questions would be, moms is having an experience that they're not that's not working for them and they're like how could I make this experience better so those I would say they're they're technical as well but they're they're a little bit different and a lot of them those can be they're usually like this hurts you know why do my shoulders and my back and why does that hurt and then there's also you know why do my nipples hurt and then a lot of nipple a lot of nipple hurting and then that gets us into other things like well what are some of the mechanisms or what are what are some of the causes if you will very loosely about you know sore nipples you know so like i so i just kind of separated them into two categories from there and that's kind of how i i do everything i start sorting i just sort 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 until i figure out what the questions are and then i can then i can start reading so because i'm looking for information oh maybe i should do that yeah i just got overwhelmed going down the list but sorting sorting makes sense i do it with other stuff in my life i should do it with questions too yeah Thank well you. and you're just i mean that's all information is and you kind of sort to oh this is easily answerable this is a statistic you know and then you go does this has anyone asked this question you find the answer to that statistic so mm-hmm. for a lot of you out there a lot of your questions are answerable with a pretty good google search and if you're not familiar with google scholar you know you can use words like prevalence of, you know, or frequency of, you know, if you're trying to get to closer to the source of the of the data rather than like reading a source that maybe kind of tries to explain it more breakdown. So just searches are good. You can enhance your search skills over time. There's a lot of questions. My plan today isn't really we're going to do two shows. 
That's that's how many questions we got. We're going to do two shows. Excellent. Yes. Two shows, one for each boob for breastfeeding. There you go. Got it. Well, and then there was that one woman who said she only ended up breastfeeding off, off of one. She didn't even realize it. She was only nursing off of one boob, and there it was. So maybe we'll do one, two shows, one for each half of that one breast that you're nursing from. You know, that's... That's a reality. I, I imagine that's a <laughs> no. I, I'm laughing because I did that without even thinking about it, just because like sleeping sure, and sidelining sure. and all that stuff and stirring a pot with one arm. Always stirring the pot, Danny. Always stirring the pot yeah. while holding the baby sure. on the hot near the hot stove. That's that's me. And my left breast was just the nipple was pointing way way off to the side. Like instead of south, it was like going east or just west? goofy. Nice. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't going like headlights of a car. It was like a broken headlight. And after I stopped breastfeeding, I was so worried that, oh my gosh, look what I did to my boob. But after a couple years, it just, it you tracked. Lost, you, you lost <laughs> me in headlights of a car. Are you saying that before you started nursing, <laughs> everything was going straight ahead? Wow. Yes. Gravity. In fact, my mom always used to comment when I'd, when I'd wear a tank top commando and she'd be like, wow, that's like Define two headlights. Gravity. <laughs> na, 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 mm-hmm. na, Not anymore. All right. All right let's move no more forward. No more show tunes. No more boob okay. cookie talk. Oh, we'll talk about boob cookie. Okay. Well, I have one question before we move forward and okay. you have to I'm not gonna. It. I'm going to. I think that we'll see, the next que- the next show will add more like ask me a question boom ask me a question boom this is more like good because yeah. we have a, I know, I know a bunch okay of but I will answer your question before I well it's just I because everybody asked everything else but you do write about breastfeeding multiple times in one of my favorite books ever move your DNA and also movement matters and you relate a little bit at the beginning of this podcast you know why it's breastfeeding you think is important but. Why write so much about it in those books? I mean, you were done breastfeeding a couple years ago, right? Yeah, but I can't write about things only in my own personal experience, although that helps. But I think it fits into the body of my work because it's natural movement. This is this is my whole point with, with the – we have become exercise-centric. We do not – like natural movement has become this like workout of the greatest – skills and we're not as interested in maybe the foundational movements and you could say that the foundational movements for running and jumping or whatever is walking and floor sitting and squatting you know but then you can go down before that and we're like well what about the the gathering and then the nursing you know like that there is a there is a relationship between all of these movements and this is just as i mean this is something that every human being has the potential for doing, you know, in almost 100% of the, of the situation. Like this is a, this is a human, like a a biological component and it, and it deserves our attention. And just the fact that so much funding and interest is to the success, you know, of a certain group of humans at a certain stage I'm really interested in the natural movements that can be ben- benefiting many people and in the, exactly the same way that I'm interested in a squat. You know, I'm interested in sprinting and I'm interested in squat. Right. I'm interested in breastfeeding. Okay. It, it's a natural movement. And I think that breastfeeding, we we think of it as a nutritional behavior, a dietary, like it's a diet. It's a biochemical phenomenon. It's, we, you know. right. Set the exactly. immune system. Like we we and just all keep that. looking at like yeah. the milk. We've we've we have reduced breastfeeding to milk. And then we've pulled out the nutrients within milk as the reason humans breastfeed and thus the recommendations for how long and even the process of delivering the milk stem from that perspective. The mechanical benefits, as well as a bunch of other benefits, the mechanical nutrients, if you will, of breastfeeding have hardly been acknowledged. Meaning, and and I'm not talking about like general acknowledgement by many people. I'm I'm almost always talking about a scientific perspective. Meaning, what are the questions? Like, how is culture influencing the questions that we're asking? That's that's an interest of mine, as as noted in Move Your DNA. So, because the scientific questions on the mechanical aspects aren't considered, and I think again, it's because of an unrealized or unacknowledged assumption that the benefits are in the milk. Right. You know, they're they're not they're just 
they're not being asked. And, you know, one of the questions, I said I wouldn't say questions, but here was one of the questions, like, what are the benefits of breastfeeding beyond a year? And so my sister's pediatrician, for example, told her she didn't need to breastfeed her one-year-old one year old anymore because there were no more benefits and it would just be more stressing her out. And so like the cost benefit would be there's no more benefits. You are more, your stress level is more important. And with my comments on that recommendation are we've barely inquired into breastfeeding, barely. So one must understand that the recommendations that we get and it's not the science itself. It's really the application of the information that we've gathered so far that, that those recommendations are only based on the questions that have been asked to date. And so it would be more accurate to say, we don't know all of the benefits that breastfeeding has at this point. And then also keep in mind that when organizations gather research, they're often only looking within their particular fields. So if someone was to do a literature review to make some recommendations for their organization, chances are they would not be looking at all of the information on that particular thing. They would be looking at sources where they feel most comfortable with the language and the culture, if you will, of or the nature of the research. So, I mean, so there's a there's definitely a cross field I've I've noticed that a lot of times in data, I was like, oh, of course. Well, that's the data that is going to be most common or normal to their to their data to the to their ability to work through a data set. Like, right, we're all kind of confined to the things we understand, right? So, and I don't mind that. I don't have a problem sure. with that. But the person, the end recipient, usually doesn't know that, right? That's the expert on the matter, and they think that they're getting all of the information when they're usually getting, you know, what's easily available to the whoever is doing the compiling. And so there, you know, also along with that kind of acknowledgement that this is all we have at this point, which is nothing wrong with only having a portion of it. As, I mean, that's why you're to acknowledge alongside of it, this is what we have so far, is this idea. Well, but then I guess well, it, I mean, the well, rest of ahead. that sentence Sorry. is here are the benefits we do know of. And you can consider that along with all the other considerations that make up your life when you make the choice. But it doesn't usually come across like that. It's usually like, there's no benefit. You know, don't worry. Don't worry. You're, you're fine. And so I just, I find that that leaves many people struggling and, and kind of confused because that rest of that portion isn't, isn't given. It's kind of perpetuated that this, this is the, this is the rightest way, you know, rather than we're all kind of, we're all slogging to find it, you know? So anyway, no, oh, I'm glad we're doing this show then because yeah. that's. Just, I think it's important. I just yeah, think it's, it's important to add, to add to add more information. Sure. So, of course, nutritional benefits huge. Um, and I'm talking about the dietary nutrition, but there's more to the story, and you can see more to the story. The the more outside of nutritional science you read on on mm-hmm. breastfeeding, so you know there's so many inputs that haven't like, you know, there's like what about the microbiome? You know, like def- in milk, but what about between the close proximity of, of people, you know, or skin inputs, like recognizing now what the skin is inputting, you know, like what is when you have someone with you, are you only, and I'm talking about breastfeeding, meaning I think that, I think that it's time now to delineate between breast milk, bottle fed and actual breastfeeding. So when I use the term breastfeeding, I meaning literally as in pulling milk from the breast, you know, that direct exchange. So there's, there's so many things. And there's that, that's, we've talked about it in another show before the mechanical process, meaning there's movements that get milk out of the, of the boob versus out of a bottle. That's a different show. You can acknowledge. I don't, I can't remember which show we did that before. Yeah, We'll put it in the the notes. What about hormonal stress? You know, I think sometimes too, I think there's a lot of people who would, who would say that there are benefits to breastfeeding outside of the nutritional one, like there's comfort and all those things. And I think we have a tendency to, I don't want to say, I'm saying reduce, but not without a negative connotation to reduce the things that we don't understand to be more, well, like it's just a comfort, like to just generalize of going, there are other human inputs that are just as technical as vitamin, vitamins and the fatty acid chains, but um, we're just beginning to know what they are, you know, that there could be temperature regulation and, and other physiological mm-hmm. cues that s- just because we don't understand them doesn't mean that they're not happening. So anyway, that's my that's my um, that's the reason I focus on it, because, again, it's it is a human movement 
that again, you know, is appears to be important. And so I think that understanding it in the spirit of Diane Fossey is if we're not to understand these processes, it's very easy for for them to become easily eliminated as as shown by our own history. When we don't understand yeah. something, when it's easily replaceable and you don't see, you know, the baby doesn't die in the case of you not doing it, then then there's like there are other things that are important maybe to function beyond simply survival. So anyway, that's why. That's why. Yes. Okay. That's that was, why. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know where you got this. I don't know where you got this notion. You were inspired. But a few days ago, you did post an old uh, Throwback Thursday mm-hmm. picture of you breastfeeding. Was it Finn? Yeah, it was the boy. The boy. And he's standing. Mm-hmm. This is just like a few days ago, but I'll put the link in the notes to the, your Instagram feed in this picture. And you are leaning over and he is doing the boob reach and standing while he's breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was I think, uh, 11 months in that picture. Okay. All right. Yeah, because he's still got those cute yeah, little Yeah, he wasn't, feet. He wasn't quite oh, here. God, I hate when those flatten <laughs> out. But it'd probably look weird for an adult to have those. Anyway, I'm going to read what you wrote. Well, you're so much more eloquent in your Instagram posts than I am. My gosh. I'm like four words. (laughs) Okay. So you say, throwback Thursday to when I was both pregnant and nursing. I'm working on a piece about breastfeeding because I don't think we talk about it as much as we need to. So many people ask me about the best alignment for nursing. And here's the thing. It's like all other human movements in that you can use all the positions. Same in the sense that all the positions is what makes it easier in so many ways. Yet in our culture, we've created a repetitive use habit where babes and moms alike are strong in one single way, the one way they do over and over again, and weak in all the other ways. I rotated positions right off the bat so we'd have all the positions to choose from. So we wouldn't have to stay inside and have the right chair and pillow. So we wouldn't have to pass on hiking for hours. And I've seen a picture of you holding a baby hiking too, by the way, long time ago. So we could be strong, read, developed in all the ways. Breast milk is a work payoff, work payoff relationship. It's a natural training program where the reward for movement is food, as it all used to be. As we've moved to value convenience, we've forgotten that we still desire, or at least require, the work. We've just forgotten where to find it. Anyhow, this is my throwback Thursday. (laughs) You're welcome. This is amazing how long the article is. Yeah, wow, that is good. I... I feel like I should be more. You feel like your Instagram bot wordy in my. I feel yeah, like I gosh. kind of close my blog and then I just open my blog on Instagram. I just <laughs> like yeah. I, I insta blog. Yeah, I like it because it's a you know pictures worth a thousand words. It is good and it's a quick. It's it's quick. Yeah. You know, it's not as always involved oh, yeah. as, as or edited in a blog, right? <laughs> Let's talk about. We got a bunch of questions about soreness. Yeah. And I'm thinking that this would point a lot to how to alleviate or avoid that sort of thing, the all the positions. And just so you know, listener, I took out all the hashtags just because you would have heard a lot of I those. hashtag a lot. Hashtag all the positions. Hashtag all the positions. What, I mean, how does that relate to all those questions? Because even though they were all about different body parts being sore, it all basically relates to that one point it's an idea you know i think i think that we're used to thinking of it like this my back hurts what am i doing wrong my shoulders hurt what am i doing wrong my my ribs hurt you know my hips hurt like we 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 experience you know pain or discomfort in these particular areas and so the i think our assumption is there's something wrong with that area what can i do to fix you know that area where my perspective is, you know, my perspective is given regularly. So sorry to keep saying the same thing, but it's kind of like move your DNA stuff, right? We're not very strong to begin with. Our lifestyle affords us, you know, the privilege to do barely anything with our legs and our trunk and our pelvic floor and our breasts and our hands and our arms throughout our entire life. And then we do this amazing athletic thing. We grow and we deliver a baby and we do this with our we are yeah, relatively okay. weak body and though this isn't a harp you know like you're weak you're weak you're weak it's not that but it's to answer this question is like i think that we have to understand 
the relative weakness of our body given our lifestyle, meaning that we just, we're very mm. set, we're just a sedentary culture. So you, you're doing this amazing thing with this body that, um, and we've got a lot of conveniences to make this athletic event very supported externally. And then, and then, then you have this baby, like, so, so first you push it out, you know, or have it pulled out or, but either way it's taxing. And then it's like the straw that breaks the camel's pelvis. Yeah. You know? that, that old saying, my grandma used to say that all that the time. It is right. It's a, it was lost in translation, lost <sighs> in translation. Yeah, I think so. So the issues that are arising during this phase of our life, you know, they're just relating back to the, this idea that we're, we're under moved. Mm-hmm. So if I frame it another way, let me frame it this way. You don't, you don't do much with your arms or your, or your back or, or, you know, really any part of your body, your entire life. And all of a sudden you start this, you have a baby now, right? This 200 reps a day program with a seven to 10 pound weight. You are engaging in like 30 minute holds 30 times a day. You've gone to, you've gone from barely moving. Oh, you've got, you've gone from barely moving, you know, to this repetitive movement program and PS you have no sleep. You don't get to eat. You don't get to sleep or really eat that well, the way a professional athlete might, because, you know, there's not a lot of people necessarily valuing your athletic performance right now. They're kind of normalizing you can't get sponsors it. No. For, for motherhood. No. What? <laughs> no, you can't. Oh well, hopefully there, hopefully you have people around you who are sponsoring. Yeah. Right. That's the idea is you have other people <laughs> who benefit, that's the idea of community. Other people are going to benefit from your successful offspring, but we don't really have that anymore. So, so that's, it's kind of, of course you're sore. Of course, Mm -hmm. of course. Like it, it makes, it makes physiologic, it makes sense physiologically. I don't know if you can have physiological sense, but anyway, my, my recommendation is always, you know, it's super boring. How can I, how can I do this, you know, without, you know, large, like almost like dis- disabling pain or discomfort is this like, it's a super general, maybe admittedly not that helpful <laughs> idea that we need to get moving before we're pregnant and breastfeeding. Like that, you, like you want to go into your athletic event with a little bit more muscle and strength and movement skill and then, of course, from there, because well, ideally, yeah, of course, now but, I have a baby and my kids. Can you give me something else? And it's like, yes, that's that's basically what the bulk of my work is, is after you already have the baby. It's like, great. Do these correctives. Let's get your arms moving and let's get your shoulders and your elbows strengthening. Let's check the way that you're holding and nursing to see if you can make it load your muscles more and your connective tissue less. Let's then vary your holding and nursing movements. Let's vary your carrying. Let's get some help. Let's go to bed earlier. Let's eat more nutritiously. You know, it's like easy, simple, simple, but easy because breastfeeding is happening within the context of your life. It's not something, it's not a problem most likely in the seconds that you're doing it. That's where you're experiencing that maybe it's not working for you as well, but it's a result of everything that's happening in your life. It's all—it's the whole picture, right? It's, it's breastfeeding ecology. And so there are definite, we're definitely approaching solutions to the moment by moment experience, meaning put this on your nipple to make it easier for you. And that's great. But there is a larger, there's a larger set of questions that have yet to be asked so that maybe not so many compensations are necessary. I always think often after we have these conversations that it reminds me of this quote that a lot of homeschoolers have up in their house and it says, you know, teach a child not what to think, but how to think. And I always, it always like dawns on me after we have these conversations just to step back and look at it in a broader sense and the solutions come more freely, I think, when I don't get so narrow in my view. Well, you're trying, I mean, so there's two, there's two categories. There is one, how does breastfeeding work? You know, like that, that's of, of a particular interest. And I think that interest is important and helpful. And there are questions that are asked from that. But then there's the other set of questions that's like, great, I'm doing this now 
and you have a very narrow window, right? To I mean, you ha- you're trying to get milk into your child. You don't have 47 years to wait for all right. the research. I mean, I mean, 500 years. It's going to be it's hundreds and hundreds of years worth of questions, if not more, to get a robust picture of how things work. Like that's just the reality of reduction. Not wrong with the mm-hmm. process. It's the duration is very long. And the fact of the matter is that means very little to me who has a baby in my arm and I'm struggling in this moment. So there are seek there's seeking how it works and then there are seeking solutions and you need both. And so I, I do think that the minute by minute questions need ponderings as well, but they're two, it's two separate questions, right? They're two, you're, yeah. there's two separate approaches that are happening. And I do think that considering both, you know, they, they are definitely going to influence each other, but yes, I think that sometimes thinking about it as, you know, it's a system. It's a system. Right. It's, it's not happening in a vacuum, right? It's like your your ducks are inside your breast. What's your breast experience been like? What's your, you know, okay, well, how is that being influenced by the muscle underneath them? And, you know, and, and how did right. I feel before? Maybe you didn't, maybe you're feeling sore now, but if you think back, you know, you weren't, you weren't sore when you weren't doing much. What would happen, you know, if you're training or doing any sort of movement or exercise, be, being sore is part of that process, but being sore, if you're not used to it, can become a, it's a perception of discomfort because it, it's against your will, right? Where if you go to the gym right. and throw some weights around, then you can kind of see like, oh, no, this was my choice to do it. I understand the physiological benefit or the relationship of the soreness to the progress, but we don't have that mindset around breastfeeding because we don't see it as a movement because it's not an exercise that you're doing so you don't take or apply your understanding of exercise and put it towards something like breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. You don't think of cross training. You think of it, it's like this serene activity. Like if you Google breastfeeding images, you're going to see, you know, subtle <laughs> variations of the same one picture. And that has influenced us, I think, to mm-hmm. to limiting our emotion. Like I get a lot of questions like, I read Move Your DNA. Oh my gosh, I want to go out more. I need to walk more, but I have this nursing baby. I can't. And it's like, well, why? It's like, well, because I, I mean, I have to nurse. You need the chair. I have, I need a chair and I have to keep my arm at this, you know, the, it's like a very ergonomic perspective. Like I can't get it done. And then it's like, well, I mean, I had zero, or you could say I had zero repetitive breastfeeding positions. You know, you, you breastfeed Mm -hmm. in all of them, which means I just keep on hiking while I'm doing it. And then of course it's, yeah, well, I'm not strong enough to do that. And it's like, yes, I know this is, this is an example of movement, like being competent in many different movements gives you more ability to move. It's it's not only for the sake of being able to do the movements, those being able to do those movements gives you a certain, a, a movement sovereignty, right? You, you are able right. to well, move Well, I was more. just going to say, that totally reminds me, my first child, I had the boppy, I had the, yeah. you know, the nursing chair, all that stuff. But it was so, it became so inconvenient. Like I couldn't go do anything else. I couldn't do anything else in the house, out and about, because I realized I'd become dependent on that. And so I just out of necessity ditched it because I wanted us to keep, you know, going and doing stuff. Which only facilitates both. Like it allows you to breastfeed. You know, if you can't, if breastfeeding is not portable for you, then you're likely to do it less or to transition away from it sooner and maybe sooner than you want to but you're like but i have to make the choice breastfeeding or all the other things in my life and it's like that's because breastfeeding or one of the reasons or one of the groups of people asking that question is because breastfeeding has been reduced to one particular scenario which is impossible to duplicate anywhere else right so so it's just about that idea of expanding it's the same thing you expanded your workout, your idea that you couldn't, you know, or the repetitive way of using your arm breastfeeding. It's the same thing. It's it's become kind of this repetitive use scenario where you do it so much, then the baby's strength, too, is only in that one particular way. And then it becomes you're unable really to do it in any other way without a tremendous amount of of work. And so it's it's just I'd like to see the book breastfeeding ecology on that which it's 
breastfeeding is a globe of experiences, not this tiny two-dimensional circle. You know, it's you can do it anywhere and everywhere. And I would love to see more. I posted that picture, you know, of my child standing, you know, looking up from my boob while I'm bending over, just giving it to them because I'm like passing through and they want to nurse. We did, you know, continual breastfeeding, which we'll talk about at the next show, the details of that. But it it makes it easier for you. I mean, it makes it easier mm-hmm. for them. It makes it it allows you to do more of the other things that you want to do because it doesn't have to be something that's happening like exercise out of the context of the rest of your life. I can't do anything else, you know, besides maybe look at my phone. I'm breastfeeding right now. It's like, well, I believe that you can take your breastfeeding out into the world in lots of different ways. And of course, it's going to be a little different for every single person given their particular scenario. But I think everyone can think of it a little bit larger than they are right now. Yes, I agree. Of these 800,000 questions that we got, we had questions on things that are, they're different. Okay. So we have like milk production and nipple length and things that uh, make nursing difficult. We, there's no way we're going to be able to cover all this today. No, that's two shows, baby. Two shows, we baby. Have to do two shows. Yeah. Okay. So, do you think people, until that show drops, <laughs> uh, until that show lets down, uh. do you think people wanting to know more about breastfeeding should read Movement Matters? I think if those listening want to think of breastfeeding in a larger context, that it's a production and movement of milk, if you will, that's that's happening and perhaps being influenced in an otherwise kind of barely moving body and that they need to think of movement beyond exercise and as something mm-hmm. that drives many processes with, within the body, that that's probably the concept to get first. And that's, a, that's move your DNA. And then... Makes so, sense. I mean, I, there's a little bit of breastfeeding in Move Your DNA, too, as well. But I think that that's, that's the more important context. If you can get that, then you can apply that really to anything, not just breastfeeding. But it, it all of that stuff right. about movement and mechanotransduction, all of that applies to breastfeeding as, as well. Like you don't have to take a break from movement during your breastfeeding time of life. They go hand in hand. They always have historically, you know, you know, human, long human timeline, besides a small break that we were talking about beforehand. And then after that movement matters, yes, because then movement matters starts to, it starts to broaden. That would be kind of more the things that we're talking about where there are many variables, so many variables. And it talks about, you know, the mechanical stimulation of, of the, of the jaw. And so like, you know, maybe, I mean, I would imagine that the pediatrician, who had recommended that there was no benefits beyond one year was getting his information through his organization and his organization maybe hadn't looked at some of the other stuff that's coming up through dentistry, right? Which is like palate formation because, because they are concerned with different human outcomes, right? So you'd have to go to many different healthcare practitioner types, and then you could go to a different type of doctor who's maybe involved in other things to go, oh yeah, you know, maybe breastfeeding does this. Or I mean, I don't even know because I only have my field and I can barely read outside mm-hmm. of my field just like everyone else. Movement matters would help, I would say, give more context to this idea of what I, what I mean by the ecological perspective as far as movement goes. So breastfeeding ecology part two next time. <laughs> that sounds good. So you can listen to move your DNA while you're while you're walking, yeah, audio. you don't have to worry about that's reading audio. it. Audio. Yes. Yep. That's pretty good. All right. So, yeah, next time, what are we going to put in that show? Um, See, I'm already, I'm, I'm already feeling the overwhelm. Yeah, the you know, and I, I think I've got it <sighs> sorted into the more technical questions. So, like, there is a couple of questions on breastfeeding and, and uh, breast cancer risk. You know, like, what? why is it? Is it protective against all types of breast cancer? And what is it about it exactly? tongue ties so many questions which i totally had to look up really like when i started seeing all those questions i was like oh what's yeah. that and looked it up fascinating i can't wait to talk that's about that's a that. huge one and that is i mean that could really be its own show and and i 
Oh, you'd probably have some pretty happy listeners. Well, if you did that, I would I say that. I mean, there's only so much like I'm not the tongue tie expert. There's probably a lot of other people. What I can do is usually put it into context. What I what I am usually pretty good at is putting it into context with lots of other questions, not answering anything, but really going. Here's all okay. the questions. I mean, you're just look when I answer something, I'm usually just answering based on my own process for for finding which questions have already been answered scientifically usually which ones are still open and any any ones that i've thought of that i haven't seen presented and here's you know here's how i would think about it because you know there's there's barely there i don't really think there are answers <laughs> there's just more questions so you know you're yeah. always just kind of wading through all of that and then choosing on your own like that's always what's happening there's very very rarely a real definitive answer you're just trying to wade through what questions have been asked how are they answered? What are the criticisms? You know, I've, it's all outlaid in the stuff that I've written on my own process. So that kind of stuff. So I have a lot of reading, a lot of tongue tie stuff, because again, different fields of people think about it differently. So I'm trying to get well versed in how does speech pathology think about it? How do lactation consultants think about it? How do pediatricians think about it? How do nursing moms? What about adults who've had the release? What do dentists think about it, right? Every single group right. has its own perspective. Like the lactation consultant doesn't really care or the immediate need is not adult outcomes of neck pain or shoulder alignment, right? They're thinking, you know, getting, right. and not that, not not care is not the right word, but like everyone's trying to answer it's, immediate it's, needs. Yeah. Like you're to the dentist, the dentist you're done breastfeeding by the time you're being evaluated for a tongue tie in the, the dentistry office. And then also my big hangup, which I've been asked this question before. My big hangup is like, there are no measures. Like there's no clinical measures to determine what actually constitutes one. There are qualifications for sure, but I can talk about that more next time because that, that I mean, cool. that could be half an hour just on its, on its own. Well, read away and until the next show, part two, Breastfeeding Ecology, let's play a clip of the Movement Matters audiobook in the appendix that you have on breastfeeding. Yeah. And if you want more of that, you can get the book on Audible and iTunes. So here's that. There's a lot of breast is best mentality out there that right off the bat can make people who are unable or choosing not to breastfeed feel badly. Instead of contributing to that perspective, I prefer a more scientific approach and the breast is breast message. A breast is breast perspective is one that seeks answers to questions like, how do breasts and breast milk and breastfeeding work? Instead of starting with the assumption that all methods of feeding a baby are equal, similar to how much of our science assumes that walking over terrain is the same as walking on a treadmill— the breast is breast mentality calls for specific definitions and investigations. We all have to make decisions about our own lives, and the more information we have, the more we can ensure our decisions align with our personal mission statements. Breast is breast is also bottle fed is bottle fed is also bottle delivered breast milk previously frozen is bottle delivered breast milk previously frozen is also bottle-delivered formula is bottle-delivered formula. This approach allows us to be more specific in our investigation and to consider the largest perspective possible when we're gathering data so we can accurately represent and assess the details. When you read research or opinion pieces on feeding babies, always check to see how breast and bottle feeding are defined when weighing the conclusions at hand. If you're interested in information on the culture and history of our and other cultures' relationships with breastfeeding, here are some resources to check out. Lactivism, how feminists and fundamentalists, hippies and yuppies and physicians and politicians made breastfeeding big business and bad policy by Courtney Jung. In the New York Times, Lori Gottlieb writes of this book, Quote, perhaps most interesting is Jung's astute observation that what is being so ardently promoted isn't actual breastfeeding, whereby a baby is fed from the breast, but human milk as a product, creating pressure for working mothers of all income levels to pump in less than ideal conditions, when what might benefit them and their babies most is paid maternity leave, end quote. This delineation and the critical lens with which Jung views the cultural context of breastfeeding are essential reading. KathyDetweiler.Weebly.com 
Kathy Detweiler is an anthropologist who offers an abundance of research regarding worldwide breastfeeding practices on her website. See also the book she co-edited with Patricia Stewart-McAdam, Breastfeeding, Biocultural Perspectives. Hunter-Gatherer Childhoods, Evolutionary, Developmental, and Cultural Perspectives, edited by Michael E. Lamb and Barry S. Hewlett. The book is a compendium of literature describing various childhood practices, and it offers valuable insight into the varying breastfeeding practices found in certain hunter-gatherer cultures. If you're interested in breastfeeding and want in-person assistance or support, there are groups and services available. You can contact your local hospital or nursing group to request an appointment with a lactation consultant, hire a postpartum doula, or meet up with your local La Leche League or other breastfeeding support group. Websites offering support, La Leche League, kellymom.com, and International Breastfeeding Center found at nbci.ca. All right. Is anyone else creeped out listening to the sound of their own voice? <laughs> it's not as bad Dang, as my answering machine message where I'm like, oh, is that how I sound? But yeah, so hopefully there are some resources in there. Like if, I think a lot of people. Yeah, it was extensive. It's cool. If you're thinking about breastfeeding before you actually do it, even more awesome to become in, informed beforehand. That's great. So mm-hmm. yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, it's awesome. I love those audiobooks. And, and that's it. We're done. Oh my gosh. That was huge. And we just have scraped barely the surface of it all. Thank you all for listening. For more information, books, and online exercise classes, you can find Katie Bowman at nutritiousmovement.com. You can also sometimes find me, Danny Hammett at moveyourbody.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. you find the general information in this podcast informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and should not be used as such.